Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and website, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint with Natalie Walton a podcast about creating a life you love. This is episode three. Before we start today's episode, I want to remind you that I've created some exclusive gifts for anyone who pre-orders my book, Still the Slow Home. While the book is now officially launched in Australia, it is still available for pre-sale in the rest of the world. It launches in Europe on the 14th of May and in the USA on the 19th of May. And if you're in Australia and have pre-ordered the book, you can still register. All the details are at nataliewalton.com forward slash still. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on Imprint. I'm recording from my home in the Barren Bay hinterland. My children are running around outside, so I thought I'd take this opportunity to record this episode. The other day, someone sent me a DM on Instagram asking a bunch of questions about how to create a book and get published. 
And then a few days after that, someone else was asking me a few questions about it. And these are conversations I've had quite a few times over the years. So I thought I'd share my experience with you today in this episode. Also, I just want to share that in the pre-order campaign, I'm sharing the behind the scenes making of Still the Slow Home, whereas this episode is more of a how-to guide. So I just wanted to differentiate the differences between those two elements. All right, so let's get started on how to create a book. First of all, you've got to think about what type of book you want to create. Now, I'm going to mainly talk about interiors books today because obviously that's where my area of expertise is. There are obviously lots of cookbooks out there and they're such a popular type of book to create. And you could also be perhaps a garden designer and want to create a book, which is very similar in many ways to interior books. But I am going to focus on interior books today. So One of the first types of books that you can create is a how-to book. Now, this is the type of book that it really steps out for people, the process of decorating or doing something to do with their home. Now, there is the book Domino, which many of you will probably have. It's quite a few years old now, but when the book, uh, sorry, when the magazine was first being published within its first three or so years. They brought this book out and it's very much a step-by-step guide on how to decorate. So it's about how to find inspiration, how to work with what you've got, how to create color palettes and the different types of furniture and styles that you can incorporate within your home. It's got illustrations of floor plans and it's very much created and designed with a magazine feel in a book format. So there are lots of tips, breakout box, captions, and it's a very fun, chatty type of conversational tone. And they really drew upon their archive of imagery from the magazine. More recently, Real Living Magazine has done that with a book called Near the Beach. In fact, many of the magazines within Australia have created standalone books, drawing upon their archive and themed it around a particular topic. So that is that style of book. There's also the book by Abigail Ahern, who created A Girl's Guide to Decorating quite a few years ago as well. And again, it really is a step-by-step process. It even has photos of her using a drill and showing how to refinish your kitchen and different ways that you can approach decorating around your home. A more recent example of this is the book Travel Home. Now, this is about how to bring travel ideas home, but it is done in a much more subtle way. So it is around a general topic in relation to inspiration, in relation to travel, as well as maybe bringing travel finds home and how to work them back into your space. But it is done in a very subtle way. There is not that magazine style format. It is quite... um, sophisticated and subtle and pared back. And it's a really beautiful book. I was actually just looking at it on the weekend and it is by Caitlin Fleming and her mother, um, Julie Goebel. And I really recommend that to you. It's it's a really beautiful one. So that is another example of a how-to book. Now, another type of book that you could create is one that is based on a concept or a big idea. This is what my books have been created around. So just to give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about with this, my book, This Is Home, is about the idea of what makes a home. So I'm really exploring this idea and this concept in different ways. And so to create this book, 
I did lots of research. I looked at philosophy and psychology. I looked at the history of the home. I listened to Bill Bryson's entire history of homes and how they were created and which goes back hundreds of years. I was really pulling apart this idea and this th theory and philosophy. And that's what I wanted to explore within that book. And it really came about for me because when I was working as an interior stylist with photographer Chris Warns, we would often go to homes and some of them were beautifully designed and had lots of interesting elements but they didn't necessarily feel like a home. They didn't feel that they reflected the people who lived within the space. And sometimes we would go to spaces that were created by interior designers or architects. And sometimes it was just the homeowner themselves. And they were very much creating a look rather than necessarily creating a home. And yet we would go to other homes and they might've been created by somebody such as an artist or somebody who was completely unrelated to interiors, but they just wanted to create a home that nurtured them, that was filled with the things that they loved. And it really reflected them, their personality, their passions and interests. And I wanted to really understand what it was that made a place feel like a home. And so that was the core idea that I was investigating through that book. Now with my book still, that started with a different idea and it pretty much started with this idea of why is it that we always want to change our homes? There's something within the human psyche that we're drawn to change. This is what feeds trends. You know, you will see this all the time that interiors go through different trends and different looks. And why is it that we can't just be happy or satisfied with what we've got and really trying to work out what happens in our brains to make us want to keep chasing this idea of renewing and refreshing? And is that something that is wrong within our own brains or what's happening? So I really looked into the psychology behind that. And that was really fascinating journey to go on and discover that. And as part of that process, I realized how much we consume within our own homes and how our homes are an opportunity to really embrace a slower way of living. And that can ultimately be better for the environment and our world in general. So I went on a huge journey of discovery with that book all about investigating this idea of why is it that we want to change our spaces and how can we then build in a pause with our decision making before we consume because then we can make more thoughtful choices with our spaces they can be more timeless they can still nourish us and nurture us and be somewhere that we really want to be but they don't have to undergo this metamorphosis all the time which really has a very high cost not just to our bank balance but the world in general so that was the idea that really underscored that book now there's another type of book that is quite popular within the interior genre. And this is a portfolio book. So this is something that photographers do a lot. They will create a body of work or they have created a body of work and they want to really showcase and share some of their favorite images and showcase what they have achieved and what they're capable of. So Francois Hallard, he has created a couple of these books which are really beautiful as well as the Australian photographer Martin Thompson. He's got some out there as well. So it's very much about their work. Interior designers do this too. So there is... Um, 
Kelly Hoppen, for instance, the UK interior designer, has created some of these books, as has um, Terence Conran. He has done it in relation to not just his interiors, but his um, projects that he's worked on over the years. And it's a compilation, basically, of their portfolio over the years. One of my favorite examples of this is a book by Meline Berger called Life and Work. And um, I will share all of these in the show notes on my website. And I will double check that I've got the names of the books correct. But they're all beautiful books and a, a capsule of, of their work and their style. Island Life by India Hicks is another one that showcases not just, it's more about her home and a look at that. And also another favorite book, sorry, this is a gardening book, but um, is Glenmore House by Mickey Robertson. I look at that one all the time for inspiration for my garden. So they are portfolio books. So when you're creating a book, you don't just need to think about what type of book that you're going to create, but also the type of photography that you're going to engage, because this is going to really set the tone for the book. And they kind of go hand in hand. So with the books such as Domino or Real Livings Near the Beach, they are basically what I call a pick search book. And there are other books out there as well um, that there is a particular writer, I can't think of her name right now. I will include this in the show notes, but she's done loads of them. So it's kind of like there'll be a theme that's popular at the time and it might be white rooms or white homes. And she will just pick search all these different types of books and put them out. And they're published by Thames and Hudson. One of the ones is called Creative Spaces that I've got. So that's a pick search book. Now there's another style of a book which embraces original photography. So there's a couple of ways you can do about do this. You can commission a photographer, a single photographer, and that is what I've done with Chris Warns when I've created both This Is Home and Still. We have worked together and I did ask Chris if he wanted to be a co-author on the book. So there's two ways you can go about it. A photographer can be a co-author, which means that basically you share the royalties together, but also you share the advance and that is how they get paid. Now, he didn't want to go down that path because he said to me that he just wanted to create the book in terms of doing the photography. He wasn't interested in trying to promote it or work with the, the marketing and all of that side of things. And he knew how much time and effort that I was going to put into the book. And so he felt that I should share the reward of it. So um, he said, no, just take me on as a commissioned photographer. So basically, Hardy Grant, my publisher, paid him. They commissioned him as a photographer. And so he just got paid up front. And I instead, I got paid in installments for my advance. And then I get the royalties from the book. So that is one way that you can work with a photographer. And just on working, if you do a commission a photographer and you haven't worked with someone previously, then really go and look to see which photographers you love and approach your favorite one. Really, you know, aim high because that's going to really benefit your book. And look on Instagram, who are the photographers that um, shoot your favorite spaces, look in magazines and other books, and you really want to have a really good relationship with this person as well. So meet them. It's really important. You'll be spending a lot of time together that you can, you know, you've got a good um, communication with each other because all photographers are so different just as are all people. So you really need to have that rapport with them. 
Now you can also, if you're working with a photographer, you can work with multiple authors. And that is what Kinfolk have done in their book, Kinfolk Home, which I see in pretty much every home that I step into. So they commissioned a whole bunch of different photographers around the world. Now this can be a bit tricky. I imagine that they had a very strong style guide and a very strong brief to the photographers because their book does feel cohesive, even though they've used different photographers with different styles. It could also relate to how they process the images as well. But it was really important to me to work with just the one photographer because I wanted the style to be really consistent. I wanted to be there with the photographer. I didn't want him to just go off and shoot the homes by himself. It was very much a collaborative process. When you have worked out who you want to work with, then you also need to consider the type of writing or the text of the book. So obviously, if it is a how-to book, then that's quite easy. It's a step-by-step -step guide. You're just spelling it out to the reader in a simple and easy to way understand. But for a big concept book, you really need to think about your message that you want to share, and it needs to be tied in with the book. So obviously, when I was writing this as home, it's all about authentic living and authentic style. So I needed to write in a very authentic way, authentic to me. And so I mentioned this in episode one, how hard that actually was for me at first, because I really wanted to put my own personal philosophy into the book, because this book was very much my imprints and what I wanted to share with the world. So you really need to think about the tone of your language within the book. You also need to think about whether you want to include case studies or is it just a series of images or different themes? So each chapter might have a different theme, such as using plants or flowers within the home, and you might just have different examples of that. So there's really different ways that you can structure a book and you need to think about how you're going to break it down chapter by chapter as well. Again, you can use multiple authors as well such as with the Kinfo book. So not only did they use different photographers, but they also used different authors within the book. So you could commission different people to write different chapters or different parts of the book. Certainly for my books, I wanted to write the chapters as well as I wrote the case studies. I did get a few people to write essays within still. I just wanted to do something a little bit different this time around. And that was really interesting to see, you know, the different approach of different writers within that. And I really liked that layer to the book. You can also get somebody to co-author with you. So in the Terence Comran book, Inspiration, that I have, he got Stafford Cliff to co-author that with him. Obviously, people who are interior designers, writing is not always their area of expertise or they might be too busy to write it. So sometimes they engage authors to write the book for them. They have the vision for the book, but they don't necessarily want to write it. So Meryl Hare, who is a very well-known and respected Australian interior designer, produced a book a couple of years ago called Hare and Klein, and she got the former Vogue Living editor, David Clark, to write that book. So that is another approach. So once you've given some consideration to the type of book that you want to create, how you're going to create it and how you're going to write it, you need to think about getting published. So this is kind of goes a little bit hand in hand in terms of the type of book you're going to create. So you really need to think about why does this book need to be published? Obviously, there needs to be a compelling reason for people to want to buy it. Why is it relevant right now? And why are you the one to do it? Who is going to buy it too? 
you really could give some kind of consideration as well to who your audience is. This was a big factor that I thought about in creating my books. It was really important to me that they had a global feel, but also that they could reach a global audience because obviously I know how much work and time and effort and money goes into creating a book and I wanted to give it its best shot possible. So by reaching out to a global audience, that has really helped my book have great success. Also consider who are your competitors? What are the other books that are out there? Obviously, you don't want to be creating something that is already out there. And think about as well what category it's going to sit in within the bookstore. So obviously, I'm talking about interiors books, but just to give you an example on one of the books that I tried to create early on that didn't get off the ground, it was a book that was pretty much bringing my blog daily imprint to life. And so I had this idea of taking some of the people who I'd interviewed and photographing them in their spaces. It might have been their homes or their studios or creative spaces. And that idea didn't gel with the publisher because they felt that it wasn't clear what category it was going to sit into. It was it a careers book. Was it more about interiors? And so you need to be really clear about exactly where it's going to sit within the bookshop. It's obviously a really good idea to create a sample chapter as well. So what I did when I created This Is Home is I actually approached someone that I knew, Virgin of Mama Papa Store in Avalon, and she very kindly let me photograph her home for the proposal. So I said to her, this is just going to go out to the publisher. Obviously, if they accept the book and they give me the contract, then the, this feature will appear in the book. But um, she agreed to do the shoot at her home, even though I didn't have a contract. So there are people that will agree to do that. And it's a really great idea to do it and give consideration to how you're going to shoot it and really consider as well, and this is something that I gave a lot of thought to as well with Chris. He was a great sounding board for me throughout creating both of the books about how the book was going to look and feel. I didn't want it to feel like a magazine. I didn't want to shoot it like a magazine. So basically, when I style homes for a magazine, they have a checklist. They want to see a living room, a wide shot of a living room. They want to see a wide shot of pretty much every space of the kitchen, of the dining, the bedroom and the bathroom and a few details, maybe a couple of portraits of the people using the space. And that's pretty much how you shoot an interior for a magazine. I wanted to capture the mood and the feel of the book in the photography. So we didn't always shoot every room. We shot spaces and areas and interiors that really had a strong emotional connection and that really produced a strong feeling. And that's what we wanted to create. We both went through lots of other books and the images that we loved the most and really resonated with us. And that was what we wanted to create. And also, this is a really good thing to do if you're working with a photographer is to actually draw in a whole bunch of images so that they have got a photography excuse me a photography style guide to work along with and so that they have a strong idea of the look and feel that you're trying to create. And even though I've worked with Chris many times over, we wanted to differentiate still from this is home and so he said to me, "Go and find 
10 of your favorite portraits of how you want the portraits to be shot and still because we wanted to make it feel a little bit different to This Is Home. Within This Is Home for the portraits, we had everybody facing camera and that was the opening shot. Whereas in still, it didn't have to be the opening shot and we wanted to do them a little bit different. We wanted to really capture people feeling relaxed at home and just embracing that slow feeling. So that's how I wanted to approach the portrait photography within still. And these are the things that you really need to give consideration to. So once you have created your proposal, you then need to find a publisher that you're going to pitch it to. And just one more thing was actually on the proposal. What I did when I was creating this as home. So not only did I ask Chris to come and shoot it for me and I asked Virgin if we could shoot her home, but I also commissioned Evie, who was a um, award-winning book designer to design the book proposal because I had gone through a couple of times of meeting publishers before and my other book idea didn't get off the ground. I wanted to make sure that this one was going to work. So I paid Evie to do a proposal and she did a beautiful job and it really put my proposal in the best light possible for the photographer, uh, sorry, for the publisher. So if you can, that's something that I would consider doing as well. So I met, I sent off my proposal to Heidi Grant and almost instantly I got an email back saying, yes, we would love to meet with you. And I went down to Melbourne at the time my son was five months old. I got my mum to come with me because I didn't want to be in the meeting with my five month old baby and I was still breastfeeding. So um, my mum took him for a walk in the stroller while I met with a publisher. Basically, we flew down that morning, met with a publisher um, and then flew straight back home to Sydney. And then my mum then went back to her home as well. So it was quite a process just to even meet the publisher. Now, they liked the idea of the book, but then they had to get it approved by their sales team. So it is actually quite a process. And to get approved by the sales team, they've got to really feel that not only is this a really strong idea, that it's going to be really appreciated within the marketplace, that people are going to be excited by it, but that you're going to be able to sell it, that you have got either a strong following or it's such a strong concept that people will buy this book. So they want to know that it's going to sell and you've got to convince them of that. So in your proposal, you really need to include, you know, how are you going to make sure that this book sells? Do you have a big following on Instagram or social media? Do you have um, contacts that you can help get it featured within magazines or on blogs or other ways. So you need to present a compelling argument to them. Now you can of course self-publish and some people have done this very successfully. Even this kind of goes back a little bit to food, but Sarah Wilson, who had phenomenal success with her I Quit Sugar cookbook, that actually started as a PDF, which I actually bought the PDF off her for $9.95. I remember it was eight years ago and I was talking about this in episode 1A where I was talking about um, the ways that I create more calm at home and how I quit sugar. So that was the start of my journey with that. So that started as a PDF of, for her and it was so successful that it actually turned into a cookbook. And other people have created 
really successful um, books. There is the Apricot Memoirs, some of you might know. That started as a Kickstarter campaign for Tess Gurney, which is a book on poetry that was phenomenally successful. Even the incredible photographer Cara Rosenland, she published her first book with Penguin, which is called Shelter, and then her follow-up more recent book, which I think is called Weekends, that is actually self-published, but she has worked with Heidi Grant to distribute the book. So there are many ways around this. She's obviously got a huge audience, and that can be really beneficial to take that approach if you do have a very strong audience, because obviously you can get more of the profits from the sales. But what I would say is that if you're not strong at publicity and marketing then or distribution, then it can be really worthwhile to work with a publisher. You've got to work with your strengths and you've got to look at what time and resources that you have available to you. So even though I have got lots of contacts within the Australian media industry because I've worked for magazines and obviously that has sort of been a big part of my life, um, Hardy Grant have been amazing in terms of their publicity department. So for still, they recently got it placed in Martha Stewart Living within within the US. And also within the UK, they are getting it placed within the Sunday Times Style magazine. It's also going to go into Elle Decoration and House and Garden in the UK. So also actually today I got an email that um, I think it's called Home Life in New Zealand. So they're getting it placed there. So they have got a really strong publicity department that's working with magazine editors all the time. So really think about that, whether you want to go down the publishing route or the self-publishing route. And then if it gets approved by the sales department, what then happens is you get a contract and generally you get an advance and this is an advance on sales. So they're making a prediction kind of on how many copies they think you're going to sell. So you will, well, this is what happened for me. I got it paid in three installments. So I got some money that was paid to me on signing the contract. Some money was paid to me on submitting the manuscript. And then my final installment is paid when it's published. So I'm actually just about to send an invoice to Hardy Grant because my book has just been published within Australia. So with that money, I used that money to then help fund my trip, but I actually paid for a lot of that myself. So it can be a costly exercise if you decide to go down that route, but I did feel that it was a worthwhile investment. And I do want to say that you should never create a book because of the money. It is something you should do because you feel very passionate about. I used to go to lots of writers festival events and listen to all the talks on how to get published. And I remember at the time, now this is about 10 years ago, them saying that the average author in Australia at the time earned $11,000 a year. Now I Googled it today just to see what that has changed to. And it says that the average author in Australia earns $73,000 a year. Now, I actually think that that figure is skewed because I think that most authors wouldn't earn anywhere near that amount. I think that the authors who have cookbooks, that has probably really pushed that number up and really skewed that number. So don't do it for the money. However, having said that, I will say that to hold a book that you have sweated blood and tears over in your hands is one of the best feelings in the world. And I'm so incredibly proud 
of creating two books and they but I by far my greatest achievements in my career and I feel so fulfilled that I have done that and look they have been a great sales and marketing tool for my business and for my courses I've had many people contact me because of my books and they've wanted to do my interior styling course based on This Is Home. And I've also had people contact me to do interior design consultations as well. So there is that um, leverage off the book and that can be beneficial to you, but don't do it because of the money or because of anything to do with that reason, because they are a lot of hard work. But like I said, they are really great to create. And I also really love doing it as well. As I mentioned, the writing initially was really hard, but meeting all those people was really such a wonderful experience. So I just want to say one other thing as well about creating books. This idea of creating a pre-order campaign has become more and more important for getting sales for the book. So basically what I've learned about this is that it is booksellers, traditional booksellers, they look at the numbers of sales within the first week and decide whether they're going to stock your book based on that. Many of them, that is what will happen. So all your pre-order sales go towards your first week of sales. And that's why it's so important to create a pre-order campaign as I've done for um, this book. I actually didn't do it for my other book. I wasn't aware of it at the time. Whereas this time, I think I might've asked people to do it, but this time, obviously I've been a lot more thoughtful and intentional and tried to encourage people to do it and give them a great incentive for it. So that's something to really consider because it is such a big process to work on a book. And if you go through it, you want to give it its best shot. And that is certainly one way that you can do it. So I hope you have found this episode helpful for any of you who have ever dreamt of creating or publishing your own book. And it's given you some insight into the process. And I would love to hear from you about if you're, you are trying to do it, any struggles that you've had with it. So please contact me and let me know about that. I've actually created a Facebook page and that will be a great resource for some of these follow-up questions. And I will answer them within that space too. So thank you so much for joining me today and I look forward to sharing more with you next time. If you've enjoyed listening to Imprint, please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to it today. And it would mean so much if you could also rate and review it and spread the love on Instagram. So please let me know what you think and if you really enjoy this podcast and what your ideas are on publishing and if it's something that you've ever wanted to do. As I said, we can continue this conversation over at the Facebook group. The page is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash imprint podcast, where I will also be sharing some resources over there. You can also send me a message over at Instagram at Natalie Walton, and you will find show notes for this episode at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast, followed by the episode number. And that will also include details on where you can find my books, as well as more about my pre-order campaign. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded. I'm Natalie Walton, and you've been listening to Imprint. Imprint.